Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Ireland's Birth Stories, a podcast created for women to share their experiences with pregnancy and birth. My name is Cora Gernon and I've created this space to enable women to share their experiences from start to finish without feeling shy about the detail. If you would like to show your support for the podcast, you can do so by visiting my website where you can click on the donation button to make a once-off contribution towards the podcast. Or you can go to my Patreon page where you can gain early access to the episodes every Friday um, by signing up to Tier 2. So thank you to everyone who supported me this week. I really appreciate it. This week's podcast is brought to you by Mama's Hospital Bag, which is an Irish company providing luxury hospital bag bundles and gift boxes to new and expectant mothers around the world. It was created by Mothers for Mothers. Founded by school friends and mothers, Grace Quinn and Sarah Maloney, Mama's Hospital Bag began as a conversation on a weekend in France in 2018 and has been evolving ever since. It emerged on the simple premise to create a hospital bag experience which is equally emotional and exciting as it is indulgent and hassle-free. As mothers, they experience the excitement of getting ready to welcome a new baby and equally how little time you may have to prepare juggling work, life and family in the lead-up. Having a pre-prepared hospital bag full of luxury brands is something they would have loved as an indulgent treat while also easing up on the to-do list. Mama's Hospital Bag is on a mission to not only provide expectant mothers with everything they need for their hospital stay, in addition to memorable gift bundles, but they also want to bring elegant style and comfort to the hospital experience. They feel strongly that while the hospital may not be the most relaxing of places, it is time you deserve to feel the best you can without compromising on quality and style. Each item is carefully selected to balance comfort and functionality with quality and style for both mother and baby. Since launching, the company has gone from strength to strength, expanding from purely online to being stocked in luxury department stores and has sales from across the world. Due to popular demand, the range has expanded to include gift boxes in addition to pre-packed hospital bags, all from luxury brands. All products come beautifully packaged in their signature hat box, which is designed to be kept as a keepsake for years to come. So if you want to treat yourself or a mum-to-be to an unforgettable gift and unboxing experience, head to www.mamashospitalbag.com and enjoy 10% off the entire range with the discount code MAMA10 valid until August the 2nd. In this week's episode, I chat to Neve, and at the time of our conversation, she was 26 weeks pregnant with baby number two, but we really dive into her first pregnancy with a little, little girl, Evie. So she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. She had a vaginal delivery and her waters went on her own and she also opted for an epidural. She later had to a couple of days later she underwent a procedure called an epidural blood patch and she tells us the reasons why what the procedure was and what recovery was like we also dive into postnatal anxiety so both of us have actually suffered from that and so we we talk about how beneficial we found counselling and just dealing with it in general just to mention, Neve does discuss the exp- the initial expense when you're diagnosed with gestational diabetes for all the supplies that you need at home. She has been diagnosed with the second time around with her current pregnancy, but thankfully it's covered by the DPS. So we just wanted to highlight that. So enjoy and chat to you next week. Neve, you are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. I'm excited. So do you want to just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your first pregnancy? Yeah, so I am Eve. I'm 28. I am married to Andrew and we have a little girl. She is just 20 months now and I am 
26 weeks pregnant today, actually. I'm like trying to remember how far along I am. So I'm 26 weeks today with baby number two. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's me. So first of all, just how are you feeling in your, your pregnancy? Yeah, God, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling okay now. I kind of, I've been sicker for longer this time, as in like, not as sick as I was in my first pregnancy, but for longer it feels, it kind of feels like it's, like I've still been getting sick, like recently, okay. <laughs> you know, that kind of, uh, but now not like really, really bad. But a couple of times a day, um, up until the last day, week, I would say the last week, I'm starting to kind of feel that second trimester thing that you normally feel at like 14 or 15 weeks. I'm yeah. only kind of starting to feel now, that, like even my energy is back and stuff. Um, but I don't know whether that's to do with like having a toddler as well, maybe. And I just, yeah, I think that probably is more so. Um, but yeah, like I was very very ill in the first three months with her where this time I'm kind of like not as sick but it just seems to have lingered for for way longer um so I'm actually waiting on a call I thought I'd get a call today um because it's around this stage that I get got diagnosed with gestational diabetes in my last pregnancy so I went yesterday for that test and they normally ring but I think with that with the thing with the hack or whatever that's going on I still haven't heard anything but yeah, no, I'm excited. I'm feeling good. I'm like, it's going much quicker this time. I'm not, it's not like dragging along like the first time. I feel like the time is passing faster. It flies, yeah. doesn't it? It's like you don't even remember. You're not like looking at like, what size is their hand today? And do they have this? And what fruit are they? Oh, no. Terrible. <laughs> like you don't even, yeah. I'm like, I don't even have the maps on my phone now like I did before. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, no, otherwise I'm fine. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thank God. So will we talk about um, your pregnancy with Evie? How, so you're saying that that was planned. So did you yeah. start tracking your I'd cycles and everything? Yeah, so we got married in September and we were kind of like, oh, we'll like wait till after Christmas or whatever. So I came off the pill a couple, a month or so beforehand, but I was never on it for any long period of time. My cycles are always regular. You know, it was pretty easy. I literally just downloaded an app and we were very, very lucky. We We got pregnant like the first month that we tried. Um, and I remember like find when we were finding out like I was like the first day after my missed period or whatever and I was like well, I'll take a test and my husband was like don't yet like just give you know like where I would have had say the odd time where it might be late or whatever and I'd be like oh my god I'm pregnant and he's like no just wait another few days and I was just like yeah maybe I will and then it was like the evening time and I was just like no I can't and I just remember going upstairs on my own and taking it and like leaving it and then seeing the second line and be like calling him to come up and be like I think that's what I um, yeah like I was I was <laughs> like he was like don't take it yet wait another couple of days and I agreed and then I was sitting up here and I was like no I'm definitely taking it so yeah so we were very very lucky in that way like I I know not everybody gets to say that happened the first month and we're really really are I, I knew that kind of from the get-go how lucky it was that I didn't have to think about you know why is this not happening or you know really kind of backing up it so no we were very very lucky that way yeah it was great when we were just chatting there at the start you said that you kind of felt like you were pregnant did you feel symptoms quite early on or immediately I yeah but not like symptom symptoms I just felt different and I remember it was my sister's husband's 30th like the weekend before and I actually I smoked before like I had given up smoking to get pregnant like I you know that was my plan and that was I was only say a few weeks off them at that stage I remember being at that party and I wasn't drinking either or anything and I was just like god I just feel weird so this was like before my missed period and I was like I couldn't put my finger on what it was that I felt but I just like I just feel strange and it's funny because like I took the test say the Monday or Tuesday of after that weekend and my mom just texted me randomly being like how are you or whatever like say the night after we found out and I was like grand yeah um how are you and she's like did you your period like I don't even know if I like used to tell her that when I had it or like what and I text back no not yet uh like I wasn't planning to tell her like I wasn't not telling her either but I was like no not yet and she texted back are you pregnant and I was like yeah I am I was like how weird she was like I just have no way feeling like a strong feeling yeah yeah so I said to my husband I was like she's after asking me am I pregnant I was like she must have I hadn't even seen her and she's like I don't know I just had such a strong feeling she's like you're acting weird and you just didn't seem yourself and this was like days later but yeah yeah so she 
saying this time as well, actually, when I told her this time, she was like, oh, I already knew that. I was like, what? I was like, how do people, I, do, I think people just say that as well when you tell them, they're like, oh, I knew via you were pregnant. But yeah, so we told her actually really early on. But I was glad I did too, because I was like, I was, I was anxious the first with, with my first pregnancy. I don't know why I felt real kind of nervous in them early days. Like I had no reason to feel it, but I think it was kind of, it had happened quite quickly mm. for us. And I was near shock. Not that I had been planned for it to take however long, but I kind of thought would be a few months trying. And then all of a sudden, like I was pregnant and quite quickly then I was getting sick every morning. You know, you're trying to go to work and not tell them yet yeah. that you're pregnant. And, you know, I found it an anxious kind of time. So I was glad that I shared it kind of with my immediate family. So like my sisters and my mom quite early on. And then anybody else, we kind of waited until after we had a 12 week scan to tell. But no, in that early, early stage, I just felt weird. But after that, it was just kind of, yeah, I was getting sick a lot, like every day, all day for probably up until about 14 or 15 weeks. It was rough. Like when I think back on it now, you're just like, oh my God, it was horrible. But I didn't have a toddler to look after either, I suppose. So that made it like I did just... You know, if I needed to take time off work, I took time off work and I just was in bed. And every day when I came home from work, I was just in bed. And it was just that kind of time that it, it feels now like it went quick. But at the time when you're in the depths of it, like it seems so lonely. I'm just like, oh, my God, is this going to stop? And you nearly feel guilty for feeling so sad that you're sick because you're like, I should be so excited. And, you know, I'm, I'm having my first baby. But, oh, my God, it felt horrible, awful the whole time. So did you have hyperemesis? No, I wouldn't. I no, I always say to myself, I wouldn't go that far. I say I was very sick, but like I was, I wasn't dehydrated or anything. Like I was able to, you know, I didn't wind yeah. up on a drip in hospital. My mom had that on a couple of her pregnancies, and she was kind of like, well, it wasn't known say back then. But when she tells me about it now, and she's like, I went, you know, into hospital say like monthly to be put on a drip. Like I was like, that's more kind of the real bad bad sickness. I would say close to it I did but I, w- I wasn't kind of going to the GP for medication or anything I had never got to that stage I was still managing but I'd say probably yeah. close yeah. to it this time I would have thought, I was like this is not going to stop us like I'm going to still be getting sick like the day before mm. I have this baby but no the last couple of weeks I feel a little bit better on this pregnancy anyway. and so how did you feel then throughout once that kind of passed throughout the rest of your pregnancy once that passed I so like when I went for my booking appointment I they flagged my BMI at that point because I'm nice and short. So straight away, they were like, we'll, we'll check you at 28 weeks for gestational diabetes. It's just like you go for the glucose test. I didn't have any other kind of risk factors or anything like that. I didn't have any family history or anything. And she just said, they just check it, just check you for it. But I continued to go to like the local clinic and all of that. Like I didn't have to go to the appointments up in the hospital and then went up for that appointment, like totally not expecting anything and they rang me the next day and they were like yeah you have so my fast and blood sugar was high that was the only thing that kind of made it say not I say a complicated pregnancy it wasn't complicated it was like I couldn't it was managed with diet I didn't go on medication okay. or insulin or anything it just made it like you weren't going to the midwives anymore you had to go up to the hospital now it was still just like a consultant led I didn't actually have to go under like diabetes team but I did it changed the care kind of straight away. It meant that I couldn't go to the local clinics anymore. And I had to, you know, I had to start going back up to the hospital for appointments and stuff. But no, otherwise, other than that, and like the big change, that was a big change in my lifestyle, even at the time, like you completely overhaul your diet, you're checking your blood sugar like eight, 10 times a day. Just in terms of so, so many people have mentioned the diet, but I've never asked this question. What changes do you have to make? So like it's actually carbohydrates. So like you have to, you start with your fast and blood sugar in the morning. Take that when you wake up, you know, like just the prick of the finger. And then you have carbohydrate choices. So a choice of carbohydrates, 15 grams. So you can only have one of them at breakfast, two of them at lunch, three or four of them at dinner. And then like have a snack either side, but it has to be like, it's just it's hard to manage like in the sense that like finding what you can have or what you can't have and a good example is like if you're eating breakfast in the morning and you have say a slice of whole grain toast they say you need to eat an egg with that like eat some source of protein with the carbohydrate okay so that it doesn't just get into your blood and just turn straight to sugar so that's what carbohydrate as a rule it just goes into your blood and turns to sugar 
So like that's why I say the longer like the whole grain breads or, you know, like brown pasta, brown rice, them kind of things take that little bit longer and your body has to work a bit harder to digest them. And then it just it's slow release energy instead of like the real starchy carbohydrates. So like the beet, you could have like a boiled potato, but not a mashed potato. <laughs> you know that kind of thing it's it's very it, it was fairly meticulous like so they send you a diet now it's very well done in fairness like they diagnosed me and I went a couple of days later up to the hospital to like a full lifestyle class and they teach you oh, wow, like okay. the, about the diet and basically if you can manage it on diet you just check your blood sugars and you ring the midwife once a week and you read all the readings out to her and she just says yeah grand thanks talk to you next week but say I was ringing her and they were high at random points and I couldn't control them, then you look at going on medication. So that's like metformin and that's just an oral medication that you take and they'll let you try and manage it that way for a little while. And then if it's still not manageable, then you go to like insulin injections with your meals and you just continue with the diet, but you do that part as well, which I didn't I didn't get medicated even this time or sorry, even the last time. And hopefully it'll be the same this time. I'd say I do have it this time only just because like I so didn't think I had it the last time <laughs> that I'm yeah. like I'm you know I, I was going to that totally had no information about it or anything and I was upset when they rang me I remember just being like I was really upset I just was like oh my god I can't believe this and you're so like ill-advised as well like I was like what did I do like did I eat too much of this or did I eat too much of this but it's just your placenta just stops your body making enough insulin to deal with so like what you can normally eat normally like you just have the baby deliver the placenta and it just goes away then Okay. Yeah. Okay. So it is all placenta related. You definitely would have factors of like, say, age is a risk factor. I think there's different races is is a risk factor. Like just being, say, like, I think maybe it's like Indian and a couple of different. And like mine was BMI, like, so BMI yeah. is 30 or whatever. Like they, they have that is why they checked me. And then there's a few different kind of ones, but no, it's not anything in the pregnancy that you do. It's just literally the placenta starts to interfere with your pancreas and the way that the insulin is being put into your body. And you just have to eat that way so that you're able to control what it is. So like, it's, it's easy when you like say it that way. And like, when I do it this time, I won't find it that big of a change. But at the time, I just remember being so worried about the baby and just being like, oh, my God, what's going to happen in that sense? Where I have so much more information and knowledge mm-hmm. now that I'm like, well, I know I can manage this. And I know it didn't like I pictured like going from like just me and a midwife in the room went to being like 100 doctors in the room when I had the baby. But it wasn't like that at all. It wasn't it didn't make it any more complicated for me anyway, because it was so easily managed. It didn't make any difference to like the later on in pregnancy. But I at the time was like, oh, my God, I'll never be able to do this and I'll never be able to do that. And, you know, I just had totally panicked when I found out first. But it was fine after that. Like, it's just it's a lot like that. And one thing I would say is the stuff that you have to buy, like as in the strips and the needles and all of that, like that you have to pay for that yourself. And I'm like, that's not me, as in like or a lot of women, I'm sure it's fine for, but like, I'm sure there's a lot of women who don't have four or 500 euro to pay for that kind of thing, just randomly, you know, that kind of way. That like, you just have to go on and buy all the stuff. Really like, so yeah. In this pregnancy, I, I still have obviously everything. So I just bought more strips. But I ever, when I bought them again, I was like, I can't believe that people have to do this. And that it's not, you know, like it's out of people's control. Like it's totally fine for me. I can get it. I can afford to get it. But I'm sure there's a lot of women who that's a big undertaking for them that like you can't just. Yeah. And it's I, it's not even available in the DPS or anything. Yeah. Like it's mad. Yeah. I was really, really shocked. Never even came into my head. I thought it was just a given that, that you would be supplied with it. Yeah five strips and the thing for checking your blood sugar and a prescription and you just go and my sister got them for me she works in pharmacy and she got me bulk bought them for me or you can buy them monthly but yeah I remember being surprised and just being like god this is like such a random thing that some people probably are already maybe financially worried about babies coming and then have that on top of it like you know yeah it was yeah yeah yeah. so how did you feel like did you do any pregnancy yoga or any birth prep classes how did you feel mentally about your labor and birth I I, I felt excited I had mm. kind of been like 
I did a little bit of hypnobirthing, nothing like I didn't do a, a full class or anything. I will, I will do this time actually the one that you talk about. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, but I no, I didn't really prepare. So, like controversially, sometimes, and my husband didn't come to the birth. My mom did. So now it's not controversial to me, but it is to a lot of people. But he was kind of like. I don't like he no he didn't want to be there he wanted to be there but he didn't feel he could be there for me in the way that I needed him and I didn't really feel he could be either so I was just like this suits me like if anybody ever asks him about it I'm like I was the one who said it because I know he thinks people think he should have been there but I'm like I was just as happy for my mom to come with me I kind of didn't do yeah a whole lot other than like I did antenatal classes and stuff like that but no preparation wise I had kind of come to the conclusion that I was just getting an epidural I was just like I'm gonna get it you know so I'll see how I get on it'll probably they have women first time mothers thinking that they're gonna be in labor for like a million years which is horrible because that's not the case for everybody and that was how I felt so I was like I'll be in there for four days so I'll probably have to get one and when I found out about the diabetes, they will induce you at around 39 weeks normally with that. Well, they offer to induce you at that stage. You don't have to, but they will offer normally because the baby might have gotten a little bit big or whatever at that stage, which is the main risk when, when you have the diabetes, if it's uncontrolled, that the baby will get too big. So I kind of was thinking if I have an induction, like that might not even happen. You know, I so I had in my head, mm. I was like, I'm just going to get an epidural anyway, so it's grand. So I didn't, no, I, I did my antenatal classes, but I didn't do a whole lot of preparation. Nothing like what I'm doing this time. I'm way more kind of thinking about it this time. And I'm still, even though like I would say I had a kind, not a difficult labor, but after I had her, I had a kind of tough time. I, I'm still excited this time. I'm not nervous. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Like I'm, I'm excited to do it. If I didn't have the diabetes, I would have considered a home birth, I think. But again, the husband that didn't want to come to the first birth, I don't know if he would be like, okay, with me having the baby downstairs. Give your mom a shout. I'm sure yeah. she'd be more than happy. <laughs> I'll come to them. But yeah, that's the only thing. I actually don't know. I never asked. I must look into it and see. But I, I think like any kind of complication like that, that just kind of that goes out the window then but yeah this time I, I'm hoping not to be getting an epidural but no other than that I didn't do any other preparation I just decided that I was getting that and hoping for the best after that. So do you want to talk us through your first signs of labour? Yeah so I at around 35 weeks if I'm right I was like in work one day having a lot of pain like I was like are these like cramps or Braxton Hicks or what are these and I was like ignoring them for most of the morning and then I was like no there's something with these like I had been having Braxton Hicks from early on and I was like this just feels different and I wasn't really feeling much movement with the baby and I was just worried more than anything so I went home and I rang the hospital and they were like look just come up as they do if you're having any kind of worries about you know movement and that kind of thing so I went up with my husband and they checked me and they were like that my cervix was soft they said like soft and short so like they were like you're probably not getting to 40 weeks but you're not in labor now kind of thing but I was kept in to have the steroid injections at 35 weeks so they gave me the first one that night and they had to keep me then for 48 hours after because they monitor your blood sugar the steroids can cause your blood sugar to go a bit mad or whatever so they monitor that for them two days so I was in hospital at 35 weeks for two days and that was kind of the time where I was like hey I'm so not going to be 42 weeks having this baby like I just felt Mm. that she could come anytime so that was grand they let me go home on the Friday or Saturday that was it for work they said no like try and you know rest stay in you know as much as you can and you know rest and hopefully she'll stay put maybe for another couple of weeks or whatever so that was grand Went up to the hospital at 37 weeks, just to a clinic appointment. And they were talking about maybe induction at that point. So this was two weeks later. But they were like, are you happy enough to wait another week? And really, I didn't want to be induced at all. Like if they were asking me if I was happy, she was fine. She was right. She was actually a little bit small when I got my growth scan done. They do a growth scan at like 35 or six weeks just to check on a, on a baby if you have diabetes, just to check the size. So I was like, no, I'm fine. I'm grand. Like I'll, I'll keep her in as long as I can or whatever. So I went home that night and then the next morning my waters broke. So I woke oh. up, yeah, I woke up at like half five in the morning to like the big, no, I'm going to say the big massive like gush, but it wasn't really, but it woke me up. 
And I'm, I was just like, oh, this is definitely not like just uh, like this is not normal. Stood up and I just woke my husband. I was like, oh, my waters are after breaking. But like no pain, no Braxton Hicks, no contractions, nothing at all. Just constant flow of my waters being gone. So I went, I rang the hospital and she was like, no hurry if you're not having any pain at all. Like she was like, just shower, you know, do whatever and come up so we can confirm. And like, if I, when I look back now, I'm like, I so didn't need anybody to confirm. Like it was, they were definitely gone. But you know, at the time you're like, oh, I'm to the hospital. Mm. So had a shower, had breakfast or whatever. We went up and they confirmed that they were gone. That was at maybe like lunchtime. So stayed all day. Again, normally they would just send you home until 18 hours after the waters have broken if you haven't gone into labor they'll start an antibiotic at that point and then 24 hours later they'll start induction you know like if your waters have gone and you haven't gone into labor yourself but I had to stay because of the diabetes as well so I didn't go home stayed I was admitted onto an antenatal ward and my husband stayed all day with me and I think even at that point I still hadn't like registered that like I was going to have the baby like I wasn't going yeah. back home with no baby and he stayed with me till maybe eight or nine o'clock and I had even kind of just resigned myself then I was like this is not happening itself I'll probably have to like you know go on the drip tonight say at 11 o'clock or whatever it was and then they said if I hadn't started myself by six in the morning then they would put me on the drip to induce labor so I was like please start yourself please start yourself so that was around, he sta- yeah, he stayed with me till later, nine o'clock, went home, still hadn't had any pains at all at that stage. And I, yeah, lay in the bed, waiting and waiting and waiting. And around, they put the, they started the drip of antibiotics and I was telling her, I was like, I'm having a little bit of pain and it was all in my back. And they were like, no, you're grand, you're grand, just go and have a shower. And, you know, and I did, I, I must have gone to the shower like five times. And I remember being in the room and there was like, however many beds six or eight beds and none of those women were in labor like you're just in you know some of them were at like the very early stages of induction some of them were just being kept in for different kind of reasons so I'm like lying in the bed getting contractions what I now know to be contractions and just being like if this is not the real thing I cannot do this like I was like I there's like I'm not able for this so I'm lying in the bed trying to be quiet not to disturb anybody that's like asleep so I a few times they came in and I asked to be checked and they were asking me how often they were but like I was timing them kind of on my phone I was like oh they're say however many in 10 minutes I can't remember what it was no no you have a while to go yeah you're grand you're grand so like midnight one o'clock in the morning so this is like two hours after the pain started an older midwife came in and it must have been just body language. I don't know what it was that made her be like, are you okay? Like, we're going to get, we're going to check you. And I was like, yeah, no, I'm not okay. Like holding on to the bars of the bed, like trying to be okay. And they checked me and she was like, I had said to her um, that it was my mom coming. And like my husband came as well, but he just didn't come in. Um, and she was like, where do they live? And I said, they live in Kildare. And she's like, no, no, call them. Like I was five centimetres oh. then. And I was like, oh, what? oh my God, yeah. So they were like, she was like, ring her now, ring her now. And I'm like in a panic being like, oh my God, I'm going to have this baby on my own. Like, trying to be quiet. Oh trying God. to be quiet. And I, when I think back now, I'm like, I would never do that again because maybe they might have listened to me more. Like I genuinely was trying to like, I, I must have asked five or six times would someone check me now I understand they don't check you for like infection reasons or whatever but I'm still very much like this attitude of like first time mammies take four days to labor is so disheartening even for the person themselves like I was like because I did think to myself like I had kind of decided to have an epidural anyway but I was like I can't do this like if they, if they turn around to me and tell me that I'm one centimeter and these are the types of pains that I'm getting all on my back I'm going to have to say like knock me out like I'm not going to be able to do it for much longer so when she said that it was kind of a ro- I rang you know it's not far anyway you know the drive wasn't too far so I rang my husband he went and picked her up and came up and I was like in the delivery suite they gave me the gas and air I said I wanted to get the epidural so they were organizing that for however long it would be or whatever so I don't know how long I was there before they got there not long 40 minutes maybe or whatever before they got up like it was late in the night anyway so there was no traffic or anything and and really nice midwife that 
had been on the antenatal ward with me came with me and she stayed with me for a little while until they arrived and then my husband came into me for a while not long don't even really remember I just remember being like I need my mom <laughs> or I need whoever is like staying with me to be here so yeah yeah did a swap out or whatever and like a good while passed I don't know whether like the anesthetist was like really busy or whatever but they didn't come anyway for a good while and I eventually anyway my mom came up I had a few contractions with her it wasn't long and the anesthetist came in got all set up um got all set up for the epidural and like he tried to put it in the first time and whatever happened it like hit a nerve that was like kicked my leg out like it it made my leg so you're sitting on the bed like hunched over and it made my leg kick and it was like it was like electric shocks in my leg I remember just being like oh my god my leg my leg my leg and he stopped and then he went in a second time and the same thing happened again and then he stopped and we waited a little while and he did it a third time and like I don't know whether, I don't know, they've said since like that they'll, they will like scan my back to see if my epidural space maybe is small or whatever. But the third time or the successful time, it, it spilled spinal fluid. So he told me at the time that we're after spilling some spinal fluid, you may experience a headache. That's the direct quote that you get. But anyway, so I'm just like, okay, grand. And it was, it went from like just a normal epidural to like, because he had gone in too far, the the spinal fluid, it was a full block, like what you'd get for a section. So like literally no feeling from the bra down, nothing at all. And that was fine. I, like I was happy enough, like, you know what I mean? I was like, grand, don't feel these pains anymore. Everything is grand. And then like an hour or so would pass. And I'd be like, I'm feeling these again. And I'd be like, oh, I'm getting a pain. I'm getting a pain. And like, I was obviously there checking the monitor as I'm saying I'm feeling them. And then they get the ice and, and you know, I, it, the feeling was coming back again. So I'm back on the gas and air again. And then they call him again and he comes back again. And it just was a total mess. Like, I don't really know what happened. And like, I have my notes and I can't make head or tail of them really either. And like... I just I just feel like at the time or now I definitely feel my voice will be louder this time where I'll be like no you need to tell me what's after happening instead of me lying here not knowing what's going on because like in the space of time from when I got my first epidural to when I actually gave birth there was probably six anesthetists came in you know like to to check on me and I'm like that's you know like not 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 normal I was safe I had a, a very nice delivery but that part just really I remember just being like why did you not just try I'd say like in two more hours I might have just had her you know that kind of way where like look I'm glad I had it I'm not saying anybody shouldn't have it it's it's great when it works I've heard nothing but good things about it but just for me it ended up at a stage that like I I could feel just enough but I was in really bad pain so they didn't get him back again Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. You know that kind of way? So even though, like, I had gone from having absolutely no feeling, and it's so weird, it feels like, you move, but the rest of your body stays the other side of the bed. It's the strangest sensation ever when it's that full kind of block. So did you have six, do they try six different times? Three times, but they kept back in to check on me because they couldn't do, you know, I don't know if you're familiar, but like in a normal epidural situation, like you can top it up yourself or they can top it up. Yeah. Set it up in such a manner that if you start saying, oh, I'm feeling stuff again, they can kind of give you a little bit more. He couldn't do that because it was a full spinal block. Full bl- okay. So they were coming back, kind of checking on me. I really don't know. I feel there was something went wrong. I don't really know mm. I, if I'm honest. And I don't like saying, oh, I don't know this or I don't know that, but something went wrong because it was kind of, say, this guy and his boss came back in and was like, you should have told me this happened or you should have told me this happened. So I was very kind of, not engaging with it because I was just like I need to get this done because I was like waiting and waiting and you know when you get to 10 centimeters when you have an epidural they let you they leave you another hour have you heard of that yeah so yeah 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 when that with me and I was at a stage where like I say I was I was feeling the contractions but they weren't painful so I was like when she said you may wait another hour I was so tired I was like oh my god if I wait another hour I actually don't know if I'll be able to push this baby out because I'm just so, so tired. But it was turned out really to be the best thing ever. Like if you get it, I'm sure they do it with everybody that has an epidural because like when it came time for me to push, like I had, you know, they're obviously it's guided push and she is still looking at the monitor, but I had enough feeling that I knew when I needed to push. And like I had her in like literally three pushes. Like Mm -hmm. it was... I remember her coming out and me just being like, "That is that a baby? That baby could not possibly be here. So like as much as all of the other stuff that happened, the way that the epidural worked for me, probably it was in my favor in the end because it had worn off just enough that I was like mm. very much aware of what was happening and, and like knowing that I was effective in the pushing that I was doing, where if it had been how it was when I first got it, I don't know how people do that. I don't even know how you could tell your body to do that when you can't make the connection because it's so dead. Um, so like I had her quite quickly. It was, you know, it was grand in the end that way. Um, and like I, yeah, I remember just, I know lots of people say that, but when the baby comes out, when they show you the baby, I'm like, there's a real baby. Like, I'm just like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> like, who owns that baby? Um, so they had, with the gestational diabetes, they recommend that you, like express a little bit before just in case the baby's blood sugar is low at birth and something happens with you or whatever and the baby can't latch so that if you are wanting to that they can feed the baby straight away just because they have to be fed pretty much straight away in case now her blood sugar was fine I never kind of had any problems and she was fine as well so I didn't even end up using that I did that for a few weeks beforehand and then I not that I had a whole lot anyway but I still had something um but yeah she came out she latched straight away it was perfect and yeah she was fine and I had skin to skin with her for ages and then then I had a bad enough bleed I had I had had a tear and I knew I had and the midwife stitched it up and it was fine but before that I it was not so much that I knew but I knew by my mom that something was going on like she was really kind of like alarmed and a long time had passed and like she still wasn't saying to me that the bleeding had stopped or anything and it was only after it was actually only after like 
on the Monday after that it public health nurse said to me that I had had a hemorrhage after and how much blood I had lost. I didn't know at the time, like nobody said anything to me at the time. She told me from like, you know, the facts that they send down to the public health nurse. It was her that mm. said that to me. And I remember that like after having her, like the stitches were fine. They did the stitches in, in the room. On the wall, it says something like, Nobody said it would be easy, but they said it would be worth it. And I remember that still now. I'm just like, oh my God, I need to go back to that room this time because I'm like, it was, that really helped me. And it was only that one thing. Now I'm like, oh my God, loads of people probably know that. But um, yeah, so I I kind of knew something had gone on and I, I knew in like, I don't know as anybody, when I first like saw myself after, I was like, oh my God, you are white as a ghost. Like I was shocked at how just, pale I was so I kind of at that point knew something like you know that I'd lost a decent amount of blood not like blood transfusion nothing like that but just it was a decent kind of amount and I I felt that for a long time after like I felt that kind of weakness nearly for a good while after um but yeah had that had my few stitches done and we were in that room for a good while then like my mom left my husband came in we were still in the delivery suite we were in there with her well, for what felt like hours actually and I felt a little bit unwell after just after the bleeding so I was just kind of lying down or whatever and he had her at that point and then we were awarded yeah so like the actual birth part and stuff was fine it was just that earlier on kind of during the labor part that I really kind of struggled with what happened with the epidural and stuff I was like oh my god this is the worst thing I ever did I was like I should never have called for this but I yeah no once like once that was all done and I had her it didn't feel like it mattered anymore so yeah, then we were just sent back to the ward that was like had her in the morning time or whatever. So my husband was able to stay for the day with me. And I think we had, I might have had visitors that night and the night after. So we did two nights and then we got home. You know, I did the night that I'd had her and then the second night after. And then and then we got home. Um, but I had, yeah, first night fine. She was fine. Second night was madness like I've never experienced anything like it I was like no sleep she didn't sleep I cried she cried it was just mad and I think it was when I was physically starting to kind of feel what had happened and I started to get this headache and basically like it's not like a normal headache so like this was first day I was like I don't know whether it was adrenaline or whatever but I didn't feel anything that first day I felt okay they came to me a few times any sign of a headache no nothing I'm fine and then like that night overnight and into the morning time I started to get it and basically it's just not like a normal headache so if I'm lying dead flat I don't have it at all I'm completely fine and talk the whole lot and then as isn't that what they advised you to do I had a spinal tap years ago and I had I had that headache but don't yeah. they advise you to lie flat to stop the fluid or did they or what's yeah so stay lying flat but care for your baby yeah <laughs> like, so you thinking. like stay lying flat is no problem normally but like yeah you can't stay lying flat with the baby you know what I mean so yeah. they said when I had it stay lying flat and I said that's fine and I tried as best I could really what ended up happening was like if she needs to be fed or changed or anything I just got up and did it in two minutes and put her back down and lay back down myself because I just couldn't. The pressure that I started to feel from like 10 degrees was like huge. Like, so I had that full day and I told them about it and they, they gave me like, they give you caffeine. They tell you to take caffeine, like as in just Red Bull, Coke, whatever that way. And then, which I did do, and they're giving you pain relief, which is like, useless but anyway like Panadol or whatever they give you but really I'm sure you know yourself did like pain relief doesn't get rid of that staying lying flat is what really gets rid of it you know like even if you take pain relief it doesn't once you're sitting up and the fluid is leaking you have the headache so I totally fibbed my way home on the Saturday because I just was like they're so busy. I wasn't, nobody was able to help me with the baby. I wasn't getting any help with her. I was really struggling with the fact that like I needed to be completely flat for her to have any kind of relief from it. And I was like, I need to get home 
for someone to just help me with her and like for me to try and maybe see sleep this off or whatever so like they say like if without any treatment that can take a month to go away and I'm like how do we do that with it like a newborn baby like I can't do this for a month so they said the alternative is an epidural blood patch did you have that done no no I had a spinal tap for um testing for meningitis meningitis when I was younger yeah yeah and then did it just go away it just went away I remember I had a really bad I was in the car and mom had to drive me everywhere because I just couldn't see straight yeah and then I vomited violently at the side of the road and that was the last that was at its like peak and then it just kind of started to taper off like how long for how long did you have it for not not for very long okay so this yeah so like this was it I got it and they just said to me they came into me a few times before I went home and like I still wanted to go home like I was like I'm not staying here another night like I can't stay here another night I need somebody to help me or whatever I told them I would lie flat I was fine I needed to go home and then I came home on the Saturday and I just got straight I was just went straight to bed like I learned to lie flat and I this Saturday night into Sunday morning my hearing started to go so like I couldn't, it was like underwater kind of hearing if I, if I was sitting up at all. And they did tell me to look out for visual disturbances or if I get any change in my hearing when I went home. So like when that happened, I just totally panicked and I was like, what is going on? So I rang them on the Sunday morning and explained that like, that my hearing was, got my, my mom actually rang. I didn't ring. Um, I remember her ringing and saying like, is this going to go away or what is the story? Because like, she can't even like look at the baby, (laughs) never mind care for her because she can't sit up like, and when they heard that the hearing had, had deteriorated that way, they were like, no, come back up. There's a procedure that you can get done that stops it or is supposed to stop it. In 80% of cases, it'll stop it the first time they do it. And in a hundred percent of cases, the second time they do it, it'll stop the headache. Why didn't they do that before you, before? Well, before I went home or I, I don't know. I feel a little bit like the way that like it's explained to people as in like one in 100 women will experience a headache, like, like in your case. And like, if it's going to go away in a couple of days, but like, if you had your baby to look after, that's not. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. 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 So it's kind of like, it's not really a headache. Like, I feel like it needs to be clearer that like, it's a headache that will make you completely unable to care for your newborn. Not yeah. still should deter people to, from getting an epidural. They're wonderful. But I mean, one in a hundred to me was always like, oh, that won't happen to me. But like now I'm like, well, that could very easily happen to me because one in a hundred is not that good of odds. So I went back in on the Sunday and they basically said, this is this procedure that we do. <laughs> I left her at home. I went back in and they it's basically it's like getting another epidural so you're brought into theater lie down on your side and there's one anesthetist behind you like injecting into your epidural space and another anesthetist taking blood at the same time I don't know why it has to be at the same time like I don't know why they couldn't take my blood and then let me lie down but I lay down he puts the needle into my back and the other anesthetist is trying to get a vein to get blood and I'm lying there with the needle in my back just like oh my god please get a vein so he eventually gets a vein and what they do really is he fills the vial gives it to the other anesthetist and he injects your own blood back in and he told me basically like let me do this till you cannot handle the pressure anymore and he's like that's your best chance of this working so he injects and keeps injecting and you start to feel pressure in the bottom part of your back and like to the point where like I'm like okay wait as long as you can as long as you can and I had to just be like stop 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 because it felt like it feels like your back's going to explode it's the weirdest sensation and he got in however many mil he got in and he said that's fine you go back to the ward and just lie flat for 12 hours do not move, no going to the bathroom, no eating, no drinking, no nothing for the 12 hours back in the ward. And then after the 12 hours, they'll try and get you up walking. And if it's gone, well and good, it's gone. You stay overnight. 
And if it's not gone, they do it a second time because it's likely that they didn't get enough blood in. And basically, while you're lying flat in the bed, that blood clots and fills the hole that they have created in there and stops the fluid leaking. Yeah. So like got back from theatre, say at whatever time it was, two or three in the afternoon. And then, yeah, the anesthetist came around to me in the ward in the early hours of the night time and was like, we'll get you to stand up and see if you can and see if you can like walk around or whatever. And I could, I stood up and I just had no headache. I was, and my hearing was fine. And I just was like, this is a miracle. And yeah, I I was fine. It worked perfectly the first time. It wouldn't be something that I would ever, ever want to have to get done again. I feel like that was more traumatic than anything else that happened. I just felt like having it done was way more invasive than I thought it would be. You know, when they were just like, oh, we just inject a little bit of blood. It's fine. I'm like, it's not really fine. Like it was, you know, it was sore. Like I found it painful. I found my back. It took a long time for my back to kind of heal up properly after like and decompress. Yeah. Feel, yeah, where it was. But just the relief of knowing that it was gone. And like in a lot of cases, they told me, you know, in days it could clear up in weeks. They said four weeks. And I'm like, I don't have four weeks. Like I need this to like be gone. So in a lot of cases, people might not opt to have that done. But he was like most cases of women who it happens to during childbirth where they've had an epidural and that happens will opt to have the epidural blood pressure done because they just need to be able to care for their baby. So they will do it. So it was more like I I, I definitely chose to go home on the Saturday. I, I played down how I felt, but equally because of how busy it was, they the, the midwives couldn't help me. I don't like I never would think that it was that they didn't want to or they didn't think I needed help or anything. They couldn't. And I just the guilt I was starting to feel for not like spending any time with her. Like I was had been trying to feed her. I couldn't feed her like because I couldn't sit up and I just yeah I can't when I think about it now even it upsets me them couple of days because I'd be just like it was just so hard and when it's your first time around you're just like is this how hard this is like why mm. would anybody like do this five times or however many times you know like when you're just that in that that really vulnerable place after you've had them where you expect it to be one way and it's completely different I was just like I was shocked at how bad I felt and how you're just left there to look after the baby which is as it should be and like for most people if you haven't had anything happen to you I'm sure you're fine and you're grand to look after them and you know hold them and do skin to skin and everything but for those two days in the hospital she was in her crib unless she was getting her nappy changed or I was feeding her she was just lying down flat and so was I because I just couldn't so when I when I got that done and I felt the relief of it being gone I was just like please let me go home and just start this again you know like just try and get a proper you know, I felt like I met her for the first time that mm. Monday after I'd had her because I was just like, I can actually look at you. I remember like her, my husband lying her in the bed with me the first night that I came home, like the night that I had the headache. And I'm like looking at her like out of the corner of my eyes so that I don't have to like elevate. And I was just like, how am I going to do this? I thought it would never go away. I was like, this is awful. But no, once I got that done and it's great to know that that's even something that's there and it works and, you know, and it can be done. But it was, it was a tough kind of mentally, I found it more tough even than I did physically. I just was like, I can't believe I'm leaving her. And she's like two days old. You know, like I can't, I can't believe I'm doing that. Where now like it doesn't matter. But I remember my mom sending me a picture actually. It's funny over on the Sunday. And my sister had just had her twins like a week mm-hmm. before. So a picture of her with them. And I was like, she's jaundice. I was like, why is nobody saying to me that she's jaundice? And I was like in a panic about that then as well. And my husband was like, we're going to sort that out when we go home. It's like, need to just focus on getting this organized. And she was, that was the only thing she was. Um, which like there's, they, they had said to me on the Saturday that we we're being discharged. She's kind of a little bit, but like she was fine. They checked her and they said, no, she's fine. And then when she, like that picture, I was like, no, she looks like really, really like she has gotten worse. And then the public health nurse came on the Monday um, when I was back home after having the procedure done. And she was like, yeah, she is kind of at a higher level or whatever. So she was like, just keep feeding her try and flush it out or whatever and I went to see her then fairly regularly after but even them kind of things when I was getting that picture I was like I should be there and I should be doing this and I should be doing that but look once I got that done on the 
that procedure done and I got home I I was fine after I really was I just I just took me a while to kind of like settle back down after I'd had all that happen and I was like oh my god I need to just relax now and not do anything and it kind of helped a little bit that like I hadn't been home for any length of time and I had gone back into hospital because we had a few days then before people started to visit and yeah. I you know yeah. they didn't know if I was home or what was happening so like I'd gotten home on the Monday and we had a good few days before anybody kind of, you know, came. Not that it's great to have visitors, but when you think about it, I do just like, oh my God, you're so like wrecked after. You're just like, why is there not like a rule to leave people alone for a week? <laughs> but I think there should be. Like it should be because just from speaking from experience, first time around with Oliver, like I only said the other day um, on a post, like I was like this looking at people trying to stay awake because yeah. they wanted to come see him, which is amazing to have yeah. that support. But then after having Eva and it was window visits for six weeks, that was deadly. You were because, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I know like having a baby in COVID is not ideal, but that kind of part of it, definitely. I think mm. not that, you know, people mean well, and they want to come. But yeah, yeah. I have never visited like really early after someone has had a baby, but like I definitely won't now. Like, I definitely know I'll be like, I'm yeah. not going to that person's house till that baby is three weeks old because yeah. I just, that it's good. I, like, it's just better for you to have that little bit of time. I, I really mattered, I think, that I had them two or three days only mm. before people started to come that I just could, like, get myself kind of settled down. I was really emotional and I was crying a lot. And I was like, I really don't need to have to make a cup of tea for somebody. So, like, I'm glad nobody did. But also um, things like, you know, you're still bleeding a lot. And your milk is coming in and you're just yeah. so uncomfortable in this new body as well. You do not want anybody near you. Yeah, a hundred percent. Absolutely. Mm. I just, it, it's, it's such a strange time that like, I'll be the same this time around. And I said to my husband, I was like, this time around, not only will nobody be coming for like a week, I'll be in bed. <laughs> like I will be, because I didn't do that either. Like I, I was wanting to do everything. Like I was up and I was where I really shouldn't have been like I wasn't feeling well like had stitches I ended up like afterwards like say two or three weeks after I had her again just in a situation where I was like I just don't really feel right don't really know what it is went to the GP had an infection in the stitches had to go on three different antibiotics and I do definitely think now that that was me trying to be able to do more than I was able or than I was ready to do straight away after I got home because I felt like I'd missed these couple of days and I needed to be a certain way like where now I just think taking that time as slow as you possibly can is the best thing you can do for you and for like the the, like for the future as well that you're like Mm -hmm. not taking six or eight weeks to start feeling any way normal like even when I went for this pregnancy and I got my initial bloods done in the I got a letter back two days later to say like your iron is in the toilet like you need to be where I don't really think it ever recovered I wreck it myself I think it probably never recovered between that pregnancy and this one because well taking iron supplements isn't a whole other story so (laughs) it's awful you just get so bloody constipated (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I don't want to pretend I took them every day or anything because I didn't but um yeah no that's the only thing and then I kind of I had to go to the public health nurse with her a good bit just for to check the jaundice. And I I was definitely kind of, you know, like when the baby blues kind of come in and you're crying quite a bit and just at that, like right after, like in day three or four, whatever it is. But that just wasn't subsiding. And I was like, this is so weird. Like, I don't really know what it is that's wrong with me, but I cannot stop crying. And I kind of, when I look back now and I think of how long, she saw Evie for as in like how regularly for so long she was definitely really checking yeah. on me I think and didn't really want to say that to me at the time because like when I look back now I'm like you saw she saw her for like say three or four times a week for five oh, weeks wow, okay. we're really after two yeah like really after two weeks that Jonas was gone I think but it was more that she was like keeping an eye that I was okay which I'm yeah, glad now that she did I kind of had I don't know what I wasn't having like I didn't feel I was like like had postnatal depression or anything I just was struggling to like adjust or to like I don't know whether it was like to connect with the fact that like this was this was my baby and like I was responsible Mm -hmm. for her you know that feeling it feels huge when you first have them that you're like 
this is like forever. Like I'm married to my husband, but like I don't have to yeah. be forever. <laughs> We're like, this is the relationship in your life that is like forever and ever. And it just felt huge mm. to me. And I remember having like some kind of times where I would think that like something was wrong with her and people weren't telling me. And that was when I started to get like, something was going on with you. So I... I now the public health nurse was actually excellent she's, she's not there anymore but the new the, the lady that's there now is just is lovely as well but she was just really when I think back at that time I'm just like she, I needed her to be exactly the type of person that mm. she was so I went to my GP and I said look I'm I'd say like six eight weeks in maybe at this stage and I'm just crying all the time and like he just wrote a prescription like he didn't ask me anything else he just wrote down sertraline and handed it to me and I was just like oh I don't know if I'm at that stage that I need to be taking medication or anything like there was no conversation at all so I kind of was like I'm not taking them like I was like I don't think I need them so I I talked to the nurse and I said like he gave me a prescription I said I'm not really comfortable to start taking them yet I think I'll go and speak to somebody so I had been to counseling as a teenager weirdly exactly 10 years before I went back this time well like when I told him I had been with him as a teenager he's like I was exactly 10 years ago and I went to him and like it was like I could tell him things that I couldn't tell anybody else like that I felt I couldn't tell anybody else and like after like three I only went three times and I was just like a different person I just was like I said things that I just wouldn't feel like like what I've said to you there, like, oh, I think there's something wrong with her. Or I think people think there's something wrong with her. She's sick and they're not telling me. And, you know, them yeah. kind of paranoia. Yeah. Like, why am I doing that? And, you know, you talk to somebody like that and you don't feel any judgment. Not that anybody's judging you anyway, but you're at such a vulnerable time in your life. You're like, oh, I don't know if I can say that to someone. Or you feel like if you say something, oh, they're going to take my baby off me. And, you know, there's all these mad thoughts. So I went to him two or three times and that was it. He was like, need your grant. He was like, he was like, come back to me again if you want. He's like, come back to me, just have a chat or whatever. But he was like, you're grand. And the prescription stayed where it was. And I didn't need it in the end. And I'm glad I didn't. If I needed it, I would have taken it. But I just felt like it was instantly what was the choice. And I was like, I'm really going to try not going down that route. Just because I've kind of had times where I've been anxious or down. And I really feel like talking to somebody really helps me and I haven't been kind of on medication before and I felt like it went from zero to 60 in like two seconds I was like no I'm not at that stage just yet so I went yeah I went to him and I I felt perfect perfect after that like I really did I felt like he just kind of put things in a different way he looked at it a different way than I was and I just felt yeah brilliant that is amazing that is what I was thinking when you were saying that's phn like just she stuck by you basically and looked out for you. And I was like, God, isn't yeah. she so lucky that the PHN didn't just say, I think you need to go to your JB because he would literally yeah. have just gone, there's a prescription. And that's what he did. But I, that happened the same with me in November last year. Yeah. I was really was feeling like really shit and weird and like crazy. Like yeah. I was obsessed with cutting their toenails and their fingernails because like if we had a car crash and we'd have to go to hospital, they'd take the kids off me because their nails weren't cut. That's that's how, yeah. how it was going. And it there so quickly doesn't it scary it just escalated and then I was sitting in the car in the driveway one day and I was like oh no this doesn't feel right so I went to my GP and he was like oh okay I'm not gonna go the medication route I was like okay and he sent me to a counselor like over the phone and like you I had three or four sessions and it has changed my life yeah I yeah I feel like people need to talk about it more and go to them more because I just think it's there is a lot of a lot of people I'm sure out there who Mm. and medication is needed in a lot of cases I'm all for that And if I got to a point in my life or a point like postpartum or anything like that that I needed to take it I would take it it's not Mm. that it's just that I feel if you don't have to and there's another route that you can try you should try Try. it instead you know especially the likes of counseling and stuff that no matter how close you are to your husband your parents your siblings your friends there's some things that you're just not going to tell them. There just is, yeah. or some feelings that you have that you can't put into words for somebody that knows you. Where I, if you go to someone, and if you find the right one, like I, I find like he's somebody who, like, no matter what is wrong in my life, like I mean, I went initially 
as a teenager after I'd been in a car accident and I couldn't get in the car anymore. So, I mean, like for totally different reasons, mm. if you know what I mean, but it's just someone who's able to be like, well, let's look at it a different way. Yeah, and yes, yeah, yeah. it's, it's actually life changing because I definitely think that if I had taken the medication when it was prescribed to me, I, I don't believe that I would have gotten better because I wouldn't have like, I, or as quickly, I don't think I would have, I would have gotten better or, you know, like realized it was like an acceptance thing that it was like, I was worried, I was worried about this baby because I loved them so much, not mm. because like I was losing my mind completely like that, you know, everybody was talking about her and everybody was, you know, it was just yeah, the strangest, yeah. never have any other time in your life. And they're hard to recognize. Like, I just was like, you know, the, you think if you're crying, if you're still crying after the first two weeks, like there's something wrong and I remember particularly with that man telling him on the phone I remember ringing him one night to book the appointment and thinking that he wasn't going to answer and he did and I was like oh like I was planning to leave a message I had like a voicemail in my head in your head yeah yeah yeah. I remember being like oh she's six weeks old and I'm still crying and he's like is there a rule he's like does it say somewhere that you have to stop having tears six weeks after you have a baby he was like because I don't know anything about that rule and it's so true like yeah, he used yeah. to say that you or I you're gonna stop feeling that emotion at the same time or you know start feeling it at the same time like everybody is different and I definitely like I if I needed to go to him again I'd go to him again I think they're the things that like people need to do more of especially oh, yeah. after yeah. That. like how like traumatic I felt like what happened with the epidural was but I still kept being like yeah but I had it really quickly like I only had to push three times and making light of what happened like what happened was what happened to me and Mm. it was hard for me and it was tough for me to get over in them couple of days you know I you nearly feel like you have to be like oh yeah but everything was okay like Mm. you know you have to nearly apologize for the fact that it didn't go exactly how you planned Mm -hmm. you know that I'm like yeah but at least she's here safe and sound and yeah like that is what it's about of course it is and I'm safe and she's safe but it still happened and I still you know I still found it hard to like adjust when I did get home and and try and kind of get into the swing of things I definitely did and I don't think that anybody should be made feel bad for not instantly feeling like they have it all sus like because I definitely didn't (laughs) for a long time I still don't I don't think anybody really does will you come back and tell me your next birth story I will and I think well no, but I think my husband might be coming this time he thinks he wants to so we'll see it could be a totally different story um yeah yeah I definitely will I definitely will I'll get in touch with you definitely and hopefully this time there'll be no well there'll be no epidural headaches or anything like that afterwards yeah thank you so much all right thanks a million I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to share your story, you're more than welcome to. You can get in touch via the website, irelandsbirthstories.ie, or you can reach out um, over the Instagram page. Chat to you next week. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.